The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about meditation. And people who meditate, obviously, aside from all of the other wonderful things for your health, it really helps to reduce conflict. And I thought it would be great to talk about this. And there's this book that I've just been reading called Effortless Mind, Meditate with Ease. And we all want to meditate with ease. Our author is Ajayan Boris. And I love the testimonial by one of my favorite authors, um, Bernie Siegel, MD. Many, many years ago, I read Love, Medicine, and Miracles, but he's written many other books about miracles and faith, hope, and healing. And he says about this book, he said, this book can help you to connect with your higher self and as a result, is as a result with all creation. So I love that. And this is just really a wonderful book. So we're going to, uh, let me tell you a little bit about our, our terrific author, uh, Ajayan Boris has been exploring and teaching a variety of meditation practices since 1970. And in his younger life, he studied in residence under Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who was the founder of Transcendental Meditation. And just before we started talking, I told him that I took that way back in 1968. So we had that in common. He has spent a decade teaching TM programs um, back at that time. And then in the mid-1990s, he studied with India's most widely revered, revered contemporary female saint known as the Hugging Saint, Meta Amachi, and he ser- he's serving as the meditation teacher at her ashram in Kerala, India. Very exciting. He also spent time with holy men and yogis in the Himalayas. And this was a haven for saints throughout the ages where he researched the spiritual practices indigenous to that area, which we all know that that's a, a wonderful area for meditation. He has a, He's also a registered hypnotherapist, a Reiki master. If you don't know what Reiki is, it's a wonderful energy healing. And I've taken that class too, Reiki 1 and 2, but... He, he happens to be a master, and he is a certified, and I think it's a Enneagram teacher, and he's the author of these this wonderful book that I have right in front of me, The Effortless Mind, Meditate with Ease, and he's also written The Way of Marriage, a journal of spiritual growth through conflict, love, and sex, and he also was the author of The Sacred 
Fire Love as a Spiritual Path. And he's also written numerous other articles on meditation and relationships. And uh, in in 2010, Jan launched Mind Matters Radio on the Healthy You Radio Network. So he also is a radio host. So this is really fun that we had this in common, and we're just so thrilled to have him on. Ajayan, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Mari, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's wonderful, and as we were talking about before the show, we, we share so much in our background. I love it. You were into meditation and the... Uh, actually, the late 60s, that's going way back. That's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, Reiki as well. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Great minds went along the same path, right? Exactly. <laughs> so let's tell our audience really about what is meditation. So what is meditation, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, there's many different types of meditation, obviously. Um, so trying to say what it is uh, is not always the easiest thing, but uh, I would say this much, that when a meditation is working and uh, it, it means that the awareness is going to subtler levels, um, you could say subtler, you know, much like uh, as if you're conscious thinking level is a sort of loud spoken level of thought and then you start to meditate and you go to a quieter level of thought, a quieter level, just a whisper of a thought and then you transcend that faintest whisper of a thought and then you're simply abiding. You're, you're not asleep, you're abiding in a state of just awareness itself and so that's kind of the how I look at meditation. It's going from that conscious thinking level through the subtler layers and Finally, that faintest uh, impulse of a thought just fades away, and you're left abiding in your innermost self, which is simply pure awareness. Yes. And so, you know, tell my audience where these techniques come from. Well, um, you know, I teach a, a program of meditation called Effortless Mind, and as you kind of said when you were going through my bio in the beginning, I've had a lot of experience with different kinds of meditation, started with transcendental meditation way back in the 70s, and uh, and went with different teachers, including Amaji and other yogis up in the Himalayas I've spent time with there. Um, and so what I've done is kind of taken what I've feel is the most accessible and the most effective. Because, you know, I've also been a family man, and and uh, and as much as I've been devoted to meditation, I've also been very devoted to, uh, you know, my family life, my relationship with my, my spouse. So uh, you have to make every minute really count, you know, that you're sitting in meditation. So I've always had this kind of personal quest to... Um, just get the most, uh, you know, punch for the buck, so to speak, in terms of the, what I'm practicing. So I've looked at many different techniques, and uh, what I teach now are the practices that I find the most accessible, easy to teach, and yet really very effective. They just plunge you into a deep state of meditation very quickly. And the, and so I teach a kind of a chakra meditation, a mantra meditation, and a body scan meditation, but they're it's a little bit of a fallacy to just go by those uh, names because it, they're kind of each one is somewhat unique, um, and so. But they do all come from uh, their their roots are in India. Uh, that's where I've done most of my studying, and so yeah, ultimately they do come from India. But they're you know not religious. They're they kind of put you in touch with your 
your higher self, so they're spiritual in that sense, but they're definitely not uh, religious. Yeah, but a lot of religions do promote, and I don't think this is a bad thing, a lot of religions do promote meditation. When I think about Buddhism, and I, I have little Buddhas around that I love it, even though I'm not Buddhist, I just, I get, I get serene just looking at the Buddha who is meditating, you know, in that Absolutely. sitting position. And you think of Jesus who, actually, you know, the, the lost years of Jesus, he went to study in the East and he learned all these meditation techniques and he talked about going within many, many times. And we hear about so many different leaders um, and even nowadays that go and do their their meditation so it's really a wonderful technique and there you know i know you know this that there's been all these studies at at harvard about the meditation um benefits to, to reduce heart attacks and all the other kinds of stress induced illnesses so i mean meditation is not as you were saying it's not just a religious thing it could be religious but it doesn't have to be but it's a way of really getting to the point of that that pure rest, that pure um, oneness, really, with yourself. Now, you have right. this wonderful book. So, you know, how is it, do you think, that people can actually learn from a book? Do they, do they need a guru, or can they really learn from a book? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, for many years, I kind of refrained from writing a book about meditation, even though meditation was my, my biggest passion. Uh, what I ended up writing about was relationships, which is a very big passion of mine as well, because I really feel strongly that we grow tremendously through our relationships, especially if we're, you know, open to the, the pressures of relationships. So, um, and I think meditation helps that process, too. Uh, so, But I kind of put off the idea of writing a book about meditation because I wasn't sure. And then, you know, the, I kept people kept asking for it and asking for it. And I encountered the fact that, um, you know, St. Teresa of Avila, one of my great uh, heroes, uh, great yes. mystic, uh, Christian mystic, um, that she actually was first guided in her early meditation life by books. And, uh, and so, I, you know... So I started exploring it, and sure enough, I found that uh, that through writing uh, articles and such, people were able to practice the technique. So I so I set out and wrote this book, and I think ultimately what it comes down to is it doesn't matter where you learn from, whether it's a book or a teacher, if you're not practicing uh, effortlessly and innocently then what will happen is uh, you'll be making an effort, and that will agitate the mind, and that will keep your mind on the surface, so you won't go to those subtler levels I talked about earlier. So whereas if you're practicing effortlessly, whether you learn that from a book or from a teacher, um, as long as you're practicing effortlessly, the meditation will work. And so that's how I've written the book is... is made it in simple chunks, um, you know, simple steps so that you can learn step by step and it remains easy the whole way through and, and with the mind towards keeping it effortless for the person, so for the reader. So anyway, I've, been t I've gotten a lot of great feedback from people who have learned from the book and, and love the meditation. So uh, yes, you can learn through a book. And you know, I, as so many people have said to me, and you know, I remember when I first tried you know was was initiated and had my little guru who taught me to meditate and i remember 
we'd go to to classes and and go back and learn and i remember thinking oh but all these thoughts are coming in i just want to be in this pure bliss state but all these crazy nutty thoughts are coming in i can't push them out and i realized that that wasn't really what i was supposed to be doing so you know, when I've talked to other people, they said, oh, I've tried to meditate. I have to do yoga instead because I can't quiet my mind. What do you tell people? Well, okay, you're you're hitting on probably like the biggest uh, obstacle for people. Um, this is something that puts a lot of people off from meditation. I hear it all the time. I always ask when I start a class, uh, you know, what are you hoping to get out of today? And it's always like, oh, I just hope I can clear my mind. I hope I can just stop thinking, et cetera. And so, and it's actually based, believe it or not, on a, on a misconception because, um Actually, thoughts are a part of the process of meditation. I know that sounds, uh, you know, anti-intuitive. The idea is that you're trying to quiet the mind. But think of it like this. It's like the mind is like an ocean. And up until the point of starting to meditate, it's like you're floating on the surface of that ocean, going from thought wave to thought wave to thought wave. So then you start to meditate. What happens is you dip beneath the surface. And as soon as you go beneath the surface... You're immersed in an inner silence. You know, you can just imagine that. You're going under the surface of the waves, so now it becomes silent. But it doesn't mean that all the waves on the ocean cease. You know, there can still be waves in the periphery, but you're going deeper and deeper into an inner silence. So you're not so um, identified with the thoughts that we usually identify so strongly with. So that's the kind of key with meditation and thoughts, is it's fine that you have thoughts, but we're not concerned with them, and that sort of detached attitude towards thoughts allows us to begin to um, identify more with the inner silence and start to go into the depths of the mind. Uh, there's another whole thing that, uh, that's uh, another dynamic that happens in meditation, and that is that in order for meditation to kind of um, unlock our creative potential, it has to serve as a kind of tool for purification. Uh, to to remove the obstacles to that expression of our full, joyful, you know, full potential. So, and in that process of purification, it you know, there is a release of stuff. There's a release of uh, toxins and stuff being purified from the body, from the energetic body, from the heart, heart and mind, and, and that process of purification often stirs up more thoughts. So somebody might be having a really deep, clear meditation, and then the next thing you know, they're having tons and tons of thoughts. That doesn't mean that they're suddenly not meditating correctly. What it means is now we're in a different cycle of the meditation where there's a lot of purification going on, and that's an absolutely perfect. Uh, so this is where you have to have a clear understanding about meditation, really understand the, the mechanics of it uh, in order to, you know, stay on track. Otherwise, you'll start to resist uh, that process, which is really natural. And, as, and you just don't want to start resisting nature. You pick a fight with nature and, you know, you're going to lose. So you want to uh, just accept what's happening in the meditation. Yeah, Jay, and when you were talking about like the ocean, I remember thinking about that because I remember thinking that a thought can roll in and then you let it roll out. And I remember just when you were talking about that, I remember one time when I was meditating, all these really scary, weird, like a like a scary movie came out. 
and oh. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is, what in the heck is happening here? And I just remember speaking with my guru and saying, I can't believe this. You know, here I'm trying to relax and uh, this whole nightmare came out. And, he, and then he said, oh, you know, it's like you were saying, all these toxins are coming out, all these negative things, you're releasing that. That's good. And, you know, let it flow out. And then as soon as you recognize that you've been thinking, just come back to your mantra and just relax and not worry about it, you know. So you don't have to, quote, you know, be so, I have to clear my mind. I have to clear my mind. Because that's what the the big mistake that people, you know, think about. Right, exactly. Yeah, that, that won't work at all. And then what you're doing is you're fighting thoughts. And when you're fighting thoughts, you know, it's, uh, you're, ag- you're getting agitated. So you're really going to stay right on the surface. It'll be a very frustrating experience. <clears throat> so that, and I should add that, your experience about that you had where it was kind of a nightmarish thoughts or disturbing thoughts, that's actually quite rare. Um, just to reassure the listeners, uh, yeah. that isn't something that happens. Like you've been meditating for years and years, Mari, and, yeah. and you know that that maybe has happened to you once or twice. Yeah, in just the whole once. Time. Yeah, once. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's not something that you need to anticipate. But um, if it happens, then you just know that, hey, something really great is happening here because you're getting rid of stuff that you didn't even know was in there, you know. So exactly. that, that's super. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to scare anybody, but it just like, oh wow, what was that about? You know, and then I went then I felt so much better. <laughs> right. I didn't right. even know why I felt better. So you were talking, Jayanne, about um the the toning the energetic body. You talk about that in your book. Uh-huh. Will you will you explain to my audience what you mean by the energetic body? Sure. Um okay, so this is part of the, uh, it's kind of an aspect of the philosophy of yoga. Uh, they talk about the panchakosha, uh, the five uh, sheaths. And um, so there's the physical body, and then there's the energetic body. And the energetic body, that, so I've just named two of the five sheaths. Uh, anyway, so the energetic body is, uh, you know, people are very familiar with the Chinese system of the meridians and the qi, right, and the acupuncture and that you do tai chi. And India has a a very similar system. In fact, I I think it probably even predates the Chinese system, but I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, it uh, is a very ancient system where there's prana, which is the life breath or life energy, and that flows through the nadis, the subtle channels, uh, and, of course, the chakras are also part of that uh, energetic body. And so, uh, it's in a sense, it's kind of like um, the energetic blueprint for the body, you might say. But uh, in both the Chinese and the Indian systems, the idea is that when you achieve a state where all the obstructions to that even, balanced, harmonious flow of energy throughout the body uh, can take place, then, then, you, then you're in an optimal state of health and emotional and physical uh, balance. And so that's kind of the state that you want in harmony. So that's the, the idea is to go towards that uh, where you're, you've awakened that full energy. Because in most people, you know, just ordinarily, we've had many experiences that have kind of cut off that flow, uh, that flow of subtle energy. And so the flow is restricted. It's not very strong. So our life force is not that strong. Our, we're, we don't have a radiant, you know, aura, which is kind of the emanation of that energetic body. And so, through meditation, what it does is it awakens those subtle energies and stimulates the flow of those subtle energies through the 
channels through the nadis, and and that starts to wash away the obstructions to that even, balanced, harmonious flow. And then you start to feel, you know, much more vital, uh, much more clear consciousness, more creative, uh, healthier, more balanced emotionally. So that's those are the signs of getting that energetic body uh, in balanced in harmony. Right. Now, you know, I, I think that um, a lot of people con- are concerned about how can they sit for 15 or 20 minutes. I know in Transcendental Meditation, you know, we're supposed to do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. And, uh-huh. um, and a lot of people find that a challenge. So what are some secrets on how to do that? Um. You know, first off, oh, I just finished one thought about the energetic body. It just occurred to me while you're asking. Okay. We'll get to this. Okay. Um, so uh, I just wanted to say that uh, in the book, I actually teach a very simple but powerful exercise for awakening that subtle energy. It's the first meditation in the book, awakening that subtle energy and directing it up through the major nadis in and around the spine into the head. And what that does is it really prepares the way for meditation, because you start to immediately get plunged into that inner silence. So anyway, that's that's what I wanted to say. Some working with the energetic body can be a way, uh, sort of a doorway into a really deep state of meditation, and that's why I kind of teach that technique right at the beginning of the book. Um, okay, and as far as uh, yeah. sitting, get, you know, sitting down for 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> well, first off. You know, I should clarify that meditation is wonderful. It feels so good. You know, you can just imagine settling into this deep, deep state of peace and inner stillness and restfulness. It feels absolutely wonderful. So once you've had a taste of what real effective meditation is, it's, it doesn't require self-discipline to continue to do it. It's like, you know, people will say to me, uh, and you must be very disciplined to meditate so much. But, uh, you know, I kind of have to smile to myself because it's like they're saying, you know, you have to be really disciplined to eat those two giant bowls of ice cream every day, you know? <laughs> it's, not, it's like, it's, it's absolutely a delicious experience. Uh, so the key is to have um, a practice of meditation that really gives, you know, gives you a deep experience. Then it's self-reinforcing, and it doesn't require that discipline. And as far as taking that, <laughs> excuse me, taking that time out of your day, um, you know, you'll, it's a, it will pay back with dividends because you'll have so much more energy, clarity, creativity. Uh, the rest of your day will just be so much better that uh, you won't, you won't, uh, you know, mind. Uh, that was my dog coming yeah. up right next yeah. to me and barking. <laughs> so, He's probably saying, let's meditate. <laughs> yeah, right. Go meditate there, Sophie. Okay. So anyway, you, you you know, you won't lose that time at all. It'll be worth it. I mean, when you think about how important is the mind to our quality of life, right? Yes. Um, it's through the mind that we experience every moment of the day. And, you know, if you miss a night's sleep and you're dull, you know, the whole day is, like, wasted the next day. You know, you just can't be productive. You don't enjoy things. So if you could get a really deep state of rest through meditation, feel that much clearer, you know, uh, more creative, so that you that much so much more joyful, then uh, the whole day is just going to go so much better. It'll make such a difference in your life that you you know you'll absolutely feel that was a great investment of twenty minutes. 
And you know, that energy is really contagious. Um, I, I know for my dog that passed in April, we have a new puppy now, but I, I should just tell you, because I was listening to your dog bark, and I thought, you know, when I would meditate early in the morning with my dog, Rado, we would... He would lay at my feet, and I, when I started meditating, he would go like that. It's like the energy, he would pick up on it. And now we have this puppy that's, you know, just a few months old. And when I sit down and do that, he, he also, and he's just, you know, three months old, he just kind of just relaxes. And, you know, puppies are like wild and crazy. So um, it's just kind of cute the way that um, that energy is picked up not only by animals, but it just is picked up by other people, too. Is if you sit down and meditate with someone else, it's, it's pretty powerful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, I do think that animals are very sensitive to energy, and especially cats seem to be really sensitive to it, but also dogs or any animal. Uh, so your, you know, your pets will definitely enjoy you meditating. And, you know, their pets really respond to how loving you are. Uh, so if through meditation you can, you know, increase your, your ability to be present and to be more loving and giving, then your pets are going to benefit from that like crazy. But what you say about um, people as well, you know, to meditate together, uh, there is this sort of collective consciousness effect that makes it much more powerful. So for couples who meditate together, it's a wonderful way of, uh, you know, bonding in this energetic level uh, that is really beautiful. Yeah. You know, I'd like you to just give a couple of the steps to prepare for those people who haven't meditated before and give them kind of like a little bit of a teaser of of what you have in this wonderful book called Effortless Mind um, and that Meditate with Ease. Could you just give a couple of steps when what you're suggesting, you know, about not to lay down and just a couple of the steps? I think that would be great for, for this, especially the students on the campus here. Mm-hmm. What, was the, what did you say? A couple of steps that would like not yeah. to do? Well, not no, to no, do well like just them? like preparing to meditate. Just if you could give just a couple of the steps, like a little appetizer of your book. Oh, well, that's interesting. I guess, uh, you know what, you might try, you know, not if you're driving right now or something, but when you get home, uh, you might just try this. This is a real simple exercise. It's even simplified from my first exercise in the book, but you could just uh, sit and close your eyes, and uh, as you breathe in, feel just a a very faint flow of attention from the base of your spine up to the crown of your head. And as you breathe out uh, and relax, just feel that attention going back down to the base of the spine. And just do that a few times very gently, not trying to have any particular experience, not trying to visualize, but just a very faint, uh, easy, subtle awareness of going up with the in-breath and down with the out-breath from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. And that... That can have a wonderful effect just because attention uh, is and it's something it can actually start to clear that pathway so for the flow of energy. And as that energy starts to flow up and down, you'll start to feel yourself go into a deep state of relaxation and meditation even. Um, so, but that's just, uh, like you say, that's a little teaser. Don't, uh, <laughs> you know... Just uh, there's much more to it, and uh, if you read the book, you'll have you know that's you'll see that that's like the beginning stage that you can take much further. Yes, and that just 
taking in that breath like you were talking about, just focusing on it and being mindful. We don't have really very much time left, but I know you also, you have so many wonderful things in here when you talk about mindful meditation and just being mindful. It's so hard nowadays in this life of information overload that we are just we're not in the present, we're not being mindful. And so this is just really wonderful that you've got this book, Effortless Mind, Meditate with Ease by Ajayan Boris. And so we, uh, we're we just out of time. So you want to just give your website and then it's time for us to go? Sure, Mari. Thank you. Uh, so it's ajayan.com and Ajayan is spelled A-J-A-Y-A-N. Uh, so on my website, uh, if you if you get the book, then I have a resource on my website that can be really helpful, and that is a, a guided meditation download of the meditation you'll learn in the book. And so you'll see that on the on the Meditate with Ease link. Um, so anyway, I highly recommend that because that will help really integrate what you get in the book. Um, so jn.com, and uh, I yes. guess that's it. Yeah, Mari, that's thank wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and, and I think it'll be great to have that guided meditation too at any kind of meditation is just a way to be restful and rejuvenate and re- revitalize and all those good things. So thank you so much for writing this book, and thank you so much for your time. We'll right, have you back you. again. Yeah, bye-bye, okay. Ajayan. Thanks. All right, bye now. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com and let us know about what your concerns are about healing conflict in your life. Thanks. Thank you.